If you will, take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4, as we continue our series. If you've missed any of it, you can go to our website and, and connect to the sermons there. Uh, as many of you are doing, I appreciate that. But I, I want you to know that this could be the year, as we talk about this, our fourth and final Sunday. Peter, in writing to the people, to the followers of Christ in his day, he said, the coming of Christ is near. And because it's near, there's four things we should do. Now, because I believe this could be the year very easily. This could be the day when Christ begins the, the winding down of time as we know it, bringing in a new age. And if that's the case, how should we live in the 21st century? More specifically, how should we live as followers of Christ at First Baptist Lindale? How should we live? Peter's instructed followers of Christ to pray with a clear mind, first and foremost, in a world that is absolutely filled with confusion. I put these in your notes. Uh, to love deeply in a love-cold atmosphere and to offer hospitality in a selfish culture. His last instruction is to serve each other with our spiritual gifts. Let's see what he has to say. Beginning in, if you will me, at verse 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Did you catch that? The gifts we have are not for our own pleasure, for our own benefit. The gifts we have are for others. He said, as each one should use whatever gift he has received from God to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms, meaning the diversity of gifts and how they look. As each of us operating our gifts, we're showing a different side of God. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking with the very words of God, meaning as God gives you the desire or the, or the opportunity to speak, he, he will empower you to speak with the words of he wants you to use. He'll always be in line with the Scripture. It's not your opinion, not your preference. It's His Word that we speak. And that's how we should do that. If anyone speaks, he should do so as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now Peter's saying, look, four things you got to do. We've talked about three. The fourth one is this. Serve one another with your spiritual gift. How does that look like? First of all, number one, we are to display divine favor individually for the benefit of the entire body. You see, we display what God's given us. We become a channel of blessing, if you will, to let His spiritual gift flow through us. Now, understand something. Uh, His favor is grace. And when he gives us a gift, it's his favor on us to let us have it individually, uniquely, and personally. But it's not for us. It's to go through us to someone else to be a blessing. You see, it's the gift of grace. We get, uh, it comes to the word uh, charisma, which is uh, uh, the gifts of grace. Uh, to each follower of Christ, there is an entrustment. There's two things I want you to note about this. Number one, we're entrusted with a spiritual gift from God. He knows who we are. He takes in consideration our personality, our leanings, our temperament, everything that makes us unique to Him. And He, he gives us a gift that's best suited for His kingdom in us. Now understand, His priority is His kingdom. And He says, okay, I can give you this gift because you'll bless the kingdom with this more than any other gift I could give you. That's why we don't compare gifts. We don't judge one another's gifts. 
We simply enjoy the fact that everyone in this room has been entrusted with a spiritual gift, every single person. That makes you special and unique and incredible in the kingdom of God. The gifts vary. Some are platform gifts. And you say, well, I don't have a platform gift, so I must not be very important. Actually, you're probably more important not having a platform gift. There's all kinds of gifts. There's gifts that require speaking. There's gifts that, in, that, that require serving. Some behind the scenes, some in front of people. Doesn't matter. God is asking you to be faithful to what you have, knowing that it's, uh, he's entrusted you with this amazing thing for the benefit of the church. It's not a privilege so much as it is a responsibility that to use what he's given us. And Peter said, in those days that are filled with hostility and persecution against the church, which we are experiencing today, serve one another. Minister to one another. Make account. Minister. Secondly, you're empowered. You're entrusted with this gift, but you're also empowered by God. It says God's going to give you the strength, give you the words. It's God's responsibility to give what you need to do what he's asked you to do. Uh, where it's been said, where God uh, guides, he provides, and that is so true. As he moves in the spiritual realm in our lives as followers of Christ, he entrusts us with gifts, and then he empowers those gifts. We develop them spiritually, and we use them faithfully, serving the body of Christ. So the gift I have is for the greater good of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, which we would call the church. So what you have is for the benefit of someone sitting next to you or behind you or in front of you or in the back of the church or in the front of the church or for the young person at this side of the room or for the old person on this side of the room. And sometimes for all, it matters whether it can work in a Sunday school class and the worship service, but more importantly in your home and your daily life and your workplace and the marketplace as we live out our faith through spiritual gifts, as we serve one another. I was thinking this past Saturday, we have like probably eight or ten volunteers that are they're helping with Mighty Might. It's been incredible. What It's been a great last couple of Saturdays. Uh, we got adults working on the floor with the kids, and they're, some are doing concessions and refreshments, and, and, and some are coaching, and, and some are cheering. But the bottom line is they're doing it for the benefit of those three, four, and five-year-olds who are playing basketball. And those three, four, and five-year-olds love it. They're having a ball for about an hour. And we're touching lives because of that. We're actually ministering because of that. And other ways we minister. Because actually ministry is simply service. Simply put, it's service. Now, let me give you an illustration of what that looks like. When you go to a restaurant, you sit down at a booth, and someone comes to your table and they say, I will be your server. I'm here to serve you. What would you like? A lot of times you may go to some place for the first time and, and, and it will be about um, the menu. You're going, I got a question. Can you answer the question? They'll answer the question. Sometimes you ask, can you recommend something? They'll recommend something. And you begin to realize that the server is what makes it happen. True, you're being served. And yes, you're going to pay the money. But let me ask you a question. Who's the most important role in those two scenarios? The server or the served? Who's most important? Truth is, if the server doesn't do his job, you ain't going to get your food. 
Don't matter how much money you got. You see, it ain't going to be a pleasant experience if they don't do a good job. If they, if they fumble with something or forget something or you got to keep calling them back, that's not been good. A server serves for the benefit. And that is why Jesus said the server is greater than the one served. His words, not mine. The server's greater. I've entrusted you with spiritual gifts to serve. I've empowered you with spiritual gifts to serve. Find your place, plug in. Serve. Because that's the greater part of the kingdom. Not to be served, but to serve. You know, it's amazing. We, we, we understand that, that we realize we need that to happen. So service is the greater priority of the kingdom. And actually the word serve it comes from a Greek word picture that means to wait on tables. That's why I use illustration. We come together with our spiritual gifts to minister and, and grow together to make things happen. There's something else. We are to demonstrate divine function personally for the purpose of building up the church body for the glory of God through Christ. Now, I just told you about a server that waits on your table. Do you know if the server does a good job, the restaurant has a good reputation? If the food's good and they do their job, you're going, man, it's a great place to come eat. I'll come back again. Uh, we're going to take our girls out to... Uh, to eat, and uh, we were looking at restaurants, and, and we would go to the website and, and go to the phone and try to figure out, well, what, what the reviews are, because we'd gone this place, and then gone this place brand new, and the reviews said the food was great, but you know what they said? Service was bad. On three out of five reviews, it said the waiter disappeared, never saw them again, the server didn't follow through with what they said they would do, and, and we had to find a server. Well, guess what? That restaurant now has a bad reputation because of service. In the body of Christ, we are to function in such a way, serving one another in the body of Christ, that God has a good reputation. That God has a great reputation for those who hear about Him. And the truth is, that's what really fills up churches. When God is being glorified, He draws people to Himself. I want you to see how this works. As we demonstrate divine function personally for the purpose of building the body of Christ, that he may be glorified, I want you to watch a little clip, just a real brief clip, that explains how, how, what happens when we work together and each one kind of does his part, whether small or large, to see the difference it makes. class would like to thank everyone who helped with the children's furniture and the carpet because we're so excited and the upgrade to the building but most of all who do we want to thank
See anybody you recognize? You know, uh, the carpet, the paint, the bathroom, the fixtures, lighting, the furniture is because we came together and did something. Now, you say, well, I didn't get a chance to give that. Well, there's still time. We're still raising some money to, to finish paying it off. And you need to give to that. As God leads you beyond your time, man, just be gracious and give. As we all give something together, we accomplish a lot. That's how it works. That's how God designed it. Now, the reason I say that we need to function personally, I, I, I want you to, to uh, turn to Romans 12 for a minute. And let me, let, me, let me read this to you. Verse 3, Romans 12. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. We are to function the way God designed us, which is to be a part of the bigger whole. We're not to be the big deal of ourselves. and We're to make sure that we're a part of what God is doing in the bigger picture and in the body of Christ. Now, I want to say something. The biggest danger that faced the church in Peter's day is the same danger that faces the church in the 21st century at First Baptist Lindale, at Floyd County Baptist, at Georgia Baptist, and Southern Baptist, and denominations all across our country, is that the danger of dysfunction. You say, Pastor, why would you say that? Because of all the research you study from our convention, from people outside our convention, from various research groups that, that, that study churches and trends, for the last... 20 years, it has not changed. That it, the, what's understood is that 20% of the membership does 80% of the work in the average church, regardless of denomination. 20% does 80% of the work. Now, I just read to you that every person has been given a gift. God empowers that gift, and we're to use it for the whole body. So if only 20% is doing that, that is dysfunction. That's wrong. We're not working the way God designed. And therefore, we find ourselves not uh, accomplishing what God would have us accomplish, not going where God would have us to go and not doing what he would have us to do. You see, we need to understand that we need everybody to do their share. There's a gift that everyone has to bring to the table, and we bring that, whether you're young or old, whether you're in middle school, high school, college, Senior adult class, medium adults. There's something you bring to the table. You're no, you, you know, service doesn't have an expiration date. Ministry is not confined to certain periods of life. It's who we are in Christ. As a follower of Christ, we serve one another. We're nice to one another. We take care of one another. We, we do things for one another. That's what service is. That's how it works. Let a church start doing that at a capacity that God has designed and you will not be able to contain the growth. And wouldn't that be wonderful? The danger of dysfunction is it's all about me. It's what I get, what I want, what I need. Many people show up to church, they want the choir to blow them out of, just blow them out of the water with a song. 
And if the choir does that, they've had a good day. And they want the pastor to, to, to preach the stars down. If that's happened, they've had a good day. Because it's all about me. No, it ain't all about you. When you walk through those doors in that Sunday school class, who are you supposed to minister to today? Who are you supposed to put your arm around and give a hug and encouraging word? Or who are you supposed to give a word of counsel to? Or who are you supposed to pray with? Or who are you supposed to love? Who are you supposed to sometimes maybe talk to them and say, let's get together this week and talk about what's going on in your life? What can I do to minister to you? The only reason we don't is because we buy into the belief that it's all about me. It's what I want, what I need, a consumer mentality that says, take care of me, feed me, make me happy. Because I can't make you happy. The only person who can bring real joy to your life is Jesus Christ. He's the one. He's the source. I can point you to him. I can recommend him highly because he works that way. Even in the midst of trial and trouble, he brings joy in the midst of a storm because joy sometimes comes in the morning, but it always comes from him. Happiness is a matter of circumstance outside your life. He says, I empower you from the inside out and do something from the inside out. The joy, of our Lord, the joy of our Lord is our strength, the Bible says. So as we look at this, I need to understand that I need to function personally with my gifts toward others for the benefit of the kingdom and for the glory of God that he may have a great reputation. That's what we do. What does it look like? Let me read further. We have different gifts, all right? Use his gift. If it is prophecy, let him use it in, a, in proportion to his faith. Now, prophecy is the guy who's very direct, very prayer-minded, uh, very word-centered, and pretty much sometimes doesn't have tact. They'll just tell you like it is. They're bottom-line people. And when the spirit, that we're, we're, we're good guys, we operate in the flesh, we're critical and judgmental, and those things aren't good. So the, we operate in faith, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's a good gift, and we use it to speak sometimes in time of crisis and to help people and to give a firm word. Nothing wrong with that. He said, if you've got that, do that, all right? Give a firm word. Uh, atta- attach God's word, okay? If it's serving, let him serve. Servers are people who, who like to do things with their hands and, and like to do projects and like to see the, the finished work of their hands. And they, they kind of, they, they want to get stuff done. Right? Servers are great. While I'm there, let me go ahead and mention this. Just crossed my mind. Uh, how, how many of you think you're servers? Raise your hand. Just, just, just servers. Just servers. Raise your hand. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. 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 Some of you are gifted in, in carpentry. You can do painting, or you can you can cut boards, or you can do stuff, or do plumbing. Well, it's like you know that we have probably three restrooms we need to really remodel in our white building. Three. They're not. You know, they're they're not big restrooms, but if you actually. Have you ever thought about if you could just say, I'd like to take that project on. I'd like to use my gift that God's empowered me with just to do that. And I'm sure Steve Hall and his committee will give you the materials. You just supply the labor. And they would be amazed at what you could do. Would you do that, Steve? That's Steve Holland right there. If you want to do that, go find him at the end of the service. Say, man, I would like to, I can do this kind of stuff. Why can't we do that together? Man, we can and you'll be blessed because you're blessing other people that, that need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Not hard. Servers. They fix stuff. They do stuff. Why can't we do that? I think we should. 
Not only servers look further. Teaching, let him teach. Those are guys who get their own research and they like diagrams and they like graphs and they teach that you may learn to, to reach, reach others. It's, if it's encouragement, let them encourage. Those are people that give kind words and exciting words and, and, and words of affirmation. If it's contributing to the needs of others, that's giving. Give generously. Some are givers. God's blessed them, empowered them to have money to give, and, and they give according to need, as, as it's convinced their heart. Another's leadership. That's administration, to move people from one place to another, to get them coming together, to work together. Another is mercy, just simply people that cry with you. Let me give you an example. At the 830 service, I started out the service asking for prayer because today my two youngest daughters are moving to Florida. They're driving now. They've probably passed the state line into Florida. Tough time. They're going to change the address on the driver's license. Going to say Florida. Tough. We've prayed about it. God's opened a door for, for one of both of them, actually, in an amazing way. Um, there's some positive things about it. There's some very positive things about it in many, many ways. I believe God's opened the door and done some incredible things to make it come about. Many of you have been praying with me about that. But that's tough. And when I shared at 8.30 service, I could look across the congregation and mercy people started crying. They go, oh, man. They just started crying. Because they know what Charlene's feeling. And they know what I'm feeling. And they came up and hugged her after church because that's what mercy people do. And encourage her to say, man, it's going to be great. You know, Florida's great. It's 81 degrees because I told them it's going to Largo. And they started looking up on their phone instead of listening to the sermon. <laughs> and they said, Largo, it's 81 degrees in Largo today. Hey, okay, yeah. Great. The prophet says, look, hey, don't be sad, man. It's God's will. Answer to prayer. They kind of bottom line it for us. I love that. It's great. Ain't no big deal. And the giver, well, y'all can take us out to lunch or something. I don't know. No, 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 no. The administrator says, well, you know, we need to organize a way to keep in touch with them or, or we need to pray for them continually and they may get three or four people together and organize something like that. The teacher says, well, let me tell you, I've done research on the place and it's a great place to live. Uh, they got a low crime rate and all this kind of stuff. You see, all of us do things together that work. We need to know that. That's how it works in the body of Christ. You guys, as young as you are, have something to contribute. Every one of you. You really do. You don't have to wait till you're an adult. You do it now. You say, what can I do to minister in my Sunday school class or to my best friend or minister at school? And you guys, you say, hey, we can find things we do. Even, even the tailgate party next week, you're going you're gonna to come and you're going to say, let's, let's, let's put something together and invite people and let's minister to one another, okay? Let's invite people to come to Sunday school. Class with the highest percentage of visitors gets a, Sean and I are going to treat you to dinner at our place. Why don't we figure out how to engage with people and minister to people and touch lives for the glory of God and for the reputation of his kingdom? The tragedy that most of people that look at the church from the outside in believe all we do is fight. That's what they believe. You guys fight all the time. Y'all mean, y'all fight all the time. Now, see, I know that's not true. 
But wouldn't it be great if they said, you guys serve each other all the time, man. What goes on down there? Y'all just taking care of one another. Y'all, man, y'all loving one another. It's awesome what you're doing. Jesus said it best. If you want to be great, you've got to serve in the kingdom. He illustrated great one time. He had a meeting with his disciples, and they all showed up at a place. And custom was in that day when you traveled a ways and you went to someone's house, you had a servant was at the door to wash your feet because your feet were dirty. And you're going to eat, and you know, you eat with your feet hanging out behind you, and they just, they just washed your feet. Very practical. Well, the disciples had looked around the room and realized there wasn't a servant there, and nobody was washing anybody's feet, and pretty much they weren't volunteering to wash anybody's feet. They were disciples, and they were the, they were the, the big 12. Ah, oh, man, no, ain't washing anybody's feet. And, and all of a sudden, they look around, and here comes Jesus. He's got a, a bowl of water and a towel, and he bends down and starts washing their feet. Take the sandals off and begins to wash their feet. Nobody's saying anything. He comes to Peter, and Peter says, no, no, you're not washing my feet. Now, Peter was always loud and impulsive, but he wasn't stupid. He realized what was happening. He said, if you wash my feet, i got to wash somebody else's feet. I don't want to wash anybody's feet. And Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you don't understand what I'm all about. You haven't got it figured out, dude. If you don't let me wash your feet, you can't ever become what I want you to become. You need to learn from this. The one who serves is greater than the one served. Rethink life, Peter. Rethink life, believer. God's given us gifts. Receive them. Reflect them. Release them into one another. These are the days of Elijah, preparing the way of the Lord. We're it. And he could come. Let's be about his business. Do you know what your gift is? How can you plug in? If you're a new member of the last few months, we're going to have you over the house. We're going to do a, a little new members orientation and, and, and do a spiritual gifts inventory. And it won't cost you a thing. It'll be really painless. And we'll feed you. You see, I want you to know what your gift is. And I want you to know how you can use it at First Baptist Lindale for the glory of God and really make a difference. And he's been, we've, we've had decisions every Sunday since the last Sunday in December. This morning we had people join the church. Awesome what he's doing. I want you to be a part of it. Now I've been talking to the church primarily for the last four weeks of what we need to be, setting the tone for the whole year. And this is going to be our foundation of operation for the, all year, these four things. We're going to be operating, remembering these sermons. But if you've never become a follower of Christ, if you've never been saved, if you've never trusted Christ, you don't really realize what I'm talking about. You probably don't really appreciate it may not make sense to you. You're going, oh, I, don't, I don't get that. Well, how can you get that? You're on the outside looking in. Maybe you've been a church member all your life. Maybe you're visiting today. But you've never had that defining moment in your life where you trusted Christ. Where you really said yes to Jesus for who he is and what he did on the cross for you. Realizing he died giving his blood for your sin that you might be right with God the Father. 
And in so doing, it simply requires an act of faith that says, I believe what you did. I believe you did it for me. And I want to surrender my life to you and let you be Lord. And when that happens, he becomes Lord of your life. He gives you a spiritual gift and he puts you to work according to his will, not according to the expectations of others. And that's what it means to know Christ, to be forgiven and to serve. And that takes an act of faith. Have you had that moment where you really trusted Christ and and said yes to him, finally gave in and gave him your heart? If not, why not today?